So, are you DTFF? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome back to DTFF, folks. Happy Monday. Coming at you on Monday instead of Tuesday this week. But, oh, man, am I friggin' excited for this show tonight. We finally did it. We're capping off our divisional breakdown series, saving what I will say is the best division in football, and that is the NFC North. The old black Don't say and blue it like division. that. Don't say it I mean, like that. it's our favorite division. Let's not say the best division. I'm pretty sure we no. did that with like the NFC South. So here's here's the thing though. We can we can call it the best division, but not the most competitive division. Right there. There you go. We we love I mean, the NFC North. It's tradition. Semantics. It's black and blue. It's it's old school. It's hard nosed football, but um it's not it's not very good. It's not very good. <laughs> speak for your, speak for yourselves. Yeah. All right, let's the, get into all the of resident, this here. As the resident Bears fan, I suppose you could say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, again. Yes, yeah. So it's going to be a fun show. You can see we've got a couple of guests, which I will introduce shortly. Um, one thing I just want to touch on real briefly, I could spend an entire episode talking about it, but training camps are starting. We are finally through the grind of no football and just with with the whispers in the wind of, of what could be happening. No, it's all here. We all get to see it. Hallelujah. I am so excited. Oh, Love time. it. Big time. We're, we we did it. We should all be proud of ourselves I am. for this. But not too proud. Not too proud, proud. Because let's be honest, some of us have succumbed to the offseason quite a bit in the worst ways, myself included. So I'm glad <laughs> that we're here at this point so I can get out of that funk. But I don't want to mm-hmm. pretend that I was above the funk the whole time. That's right. So, joining us this evening to talk all things NFC North, uh, coming back to the show is John Helmkamp, sports gambling editor and producer for the New York Post. Welcome back, sir. How are you doing this evening? Yeah. I am lovely. It is great to be back with you guys. This has been a uh, uh, an ongoing uh, love affair um, with me and your podcast, and it's been a long time. Um but it's good to be back. I'm happy to be here and talk to you guys and lament uh, all things Chicago Bear fandom. It's going to be going to be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so tell us here before we get into it, um, if you are drinking, what you're drinking, and how did you become a fan of your team? Yeah, um, I grew up a Seattle fan, and then when I moved away from the Pacific Northwest because I was in Portland. Um, the love kind of started to wane. And then basically when they took Dwayne Eskridge in the draft, I was laughing and crying and said, I'm done. Like it was, it was the final straw. It was the, the stupidest pick I've ever seen. It was the uh, coup de gras, if you will, where it just put me out on my misery of being a Seahawks fan and watching John Schneider drive that team into the ground. Um, I actually wrote an article when I was at Deadspin about how John Schneider was ruining the Seahawks, and literally the next day, the Seahawks extended him. So I wrote another article with the headline, Seattle Seahawks trolled Deadspin writer John Helmkamp with John Schneider. Ex- <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, so at that point, I was done. I was living in um, living in Chicago when I was working with Deadspin, and just I, I fell in love with that city, and 
uh, decided to, to go all in on, on the Bears living up here in the region, although I'm behind enemy lines in, in Grand Rapids. So, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. I, it's, it's cool to kind of dive in on this uh, division with so much history and been good stuff. This, by the way, is um, Four Roses Single Barrel. This was behind the counter for just me and a few select people at my at my wedding, and I'm I'm finishing off that bottle tonight. So it's wonderful. Nice. Well, there's a, a nice spin that you can put on all this. See, it doesn't have to be sad whiskey. It can be happy yeah. because it's it's in celebration still, not of the bears, mm-hmm. but of something no. else that is much no. grander <laughs> and better than that. <laughs> Definitely not say, of the bears. This is the only time in recorded history, from now until the end of the world, that somebody would put a line in the sand. At Dwayne Eskridge, I just want that to be no. <laughs> Nobody else in the world will ever do that. It was, so that's it was like when you put you you scoop just a whole bunch of sand on the one side of the scale, and then just that last grain that is insignificant and means nothing, but it was just enough to tip it, and that's what happened with me when they took Eskridge. I was uh, I was out. Fair enough. That's yes. right. All right, and then representing the Vikings, we've got Evan Brown writer for the Dynasty Nerds and host of Dynasty Debates. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So same question to you. If you are drinking, what are you drinking? And how did you become a fan of your team, the Vikings? Um, it's, It is 20 to 2 in the morning here. So I am not drinking because I figured if I started drinking, by the time it reached 20 to 2 in the morning, I would just be laying on the floor, like waving up at the like, camera and like randomly making incoherent noises so no i'm not drinking anything exciting tonight um as far as the vikings oh man i have been a fan of the vikings since um warren moon was their quarterback so it's been a couple years um do you know growing up we didn't have a team obviously locally or anything like that so you sort of just were free to pick your own team really and i remember it was just there was multiple things i really liked their uniforms i remember really liking their uniforms as a kid thought their uniforms were very cool i liked that sometimes they would play like in the snow or something i thought that was very cool and um yeah i just remember at at that age like i remember watching a couple games and just really liking warren moon and thought he was awesome as a quarterback Mm -hmm. and uh chris carter was amazing you know i loved chris carter as a wide receiver and then and then I think um, my dad at the time sort of liked the Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre. So it was extra nice just to like, you know, stick it to the old man and like, you know, root for the opposite team. And um, and then as I got a little bit older, we drafted, you know, Randy Moss. And then that just, you know, there was no turning back at that stage. You know, just seeing Randy Moss in his prime for your team. It was just so exciting. And little did I know for the life lifetime of pain and misery I was setting myself up for of, you know, always being good but never being good enough and um not always been good we've been pretty crappy for a couple times in recent years but you know what i mean like it's one of those we're one of those teams that it's like we've always been halfway decent or or even we've been very good at times but just never good enough um i believe it was was it gary anderson's like field goal missed field goal or whatever mm-hmm. it still haunts me to this day we mm-hmm. were like 17 <laughs> and one or something like that and like absolutely that was the year like robert smith was our running back and chris carter yeah. and randy yeah. moss together and uh dante cole pepper was our quarterback and like you know it just looked like how who's going to stop us you know who is going to possibly stop us and then of course a field goal stops us and then a couple of years later even like it was the who did, wasn't it the the bears that we missed that field goal against in the last couple of seconds um of the the playoff game again it was like a 30 yard field goal 
a few years ago was it the bears it was about seven eight years ago now um there was, was one like, against the seahawks pretty recently too yeah, if I yeah we were in the oh, we were in like the playoffs i remember we got in the playoffs and yeah. we got all the way down and it was like oh yeah it's just like a 30 yard field goal this is so easy this is done next and then it was like oh and then and then we get to the yeah. minneapolis miracle like one of the greatest moments in my sports history life and it was like it was like two in the morning here three in the morning and i was stayed up for the whole game and we we're playing the saints and i'm like i'm just gonna go to bed this is miserable this is depressing and i was like no i'm just i've stayed this long i'm gonna stay till the end i'm a fan and literally i just remember like my mouth just like hung open i was like I was looking for a flag. I was like, is this, is this really ah, like screaming, freaking out, running around, like just excited. And then like go and just get absolutely pounded by the Eagles the next week. It was, that's just the life of a Vikings fan. But you had that high that you got to work with for a week. And that's what really matters. Your fandom was rewarded in yeah, the short it's, term. It's, it's what makes the lows even lower. Yeah. That's the silver lining I was looking for. <laughs> Yeah. And the then kills. And then representing our hometown Packers, it's Jake and myself. We're 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 tag teaming this this week. So um Jake, why don't you tell your story of how you became a Packers fan and then what we're drinking this evening for the show. Yeah, Jake My, was born with cheese in his veins. So you, just... you stop that. You stop that. That isn't even a gouda joke that you just made. Uh, uh, Ah, full of them. I am also full of spread. Come on, Jake. You can do cheddar. <sighs> oh, God. Oh, God. I will remove I'm both of you from this done. podcast. I swear to God. Now, stop. <laughs> we'll turn this whole podcast around. We are drinking Sprecher's Pineapple Express. It's a Belgian triple ale. Dustin, I didn't realize how potent this thing was until you pointed it out right before coming on. It's an 8.4% guy, a little bit higher than we typically do. Um, but you know, I, I like pineapple things. I like Belgian triples. I don't know about you. I feel like you're a little bit more ambivalent about it than I am, but, um, I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, I like it more than my story of how I became a Packers fan because it's the lamest one ever. I didn't watch football growing up. I watched the Super Bowl and that was it. And I barely followed along with what the Super Bowl even was. I was just waiting for the commercials. Sounds like uh, most Packers and Janet fans. Jackson. Yeah, and current Packers fans, so rude. Uh, but I moved up to Wisconsin for school at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and everybody here, obviously, loved the Packers. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to just watch and drink with people who are watching and drinking the Packers. And then naturally, it just it seeps into your skin. Dustin, you know that. It just it Really, the cheese does get you, uh, and it holds you down a little bit. But yeah, I feel lucky that I came in at a time when Aaron Rodgers was just a year before going to the Super Bowl and getting us that uh, that nice little title. And then it was pretty much locked in. I mean, you win a Super Bowl a year after being a fan, you just kind of keep up with it, you know? Um, if they could do that again, that would be wonderful. That would renew some faith. Nah, I'm good. Oh, lovely story, Jake. So, yeah, sure. the beer. Um, I actually don't mind this. I'm not a big uh, Belgian triple or Belgian beer fan in general, but uh, this one's not too bad. A little bit of an alcohol bite to it, but I think that's kind of the the triple for the Belgians. Uh, you get a little bit of that being higher alcohol. And then my story for being a Packer fan, I just always have been ever since I was a kid. That's the only thing I've known. Born and raised in Wisconsin. I don't have a good story. Sorry. Uh, just one of those things. It's always been there. Uh, been a part of my life. I'd feel like a traitor 
rooting for any other team. I would call you one if you did. So it's good that you feel that way because it would be reciprocated uh, from myself. So mm-hmm. I think we can both agree, though, that we're ready for a new page uh, moving on from our quarterback, which we'll talk about later. Uh, now, Dustin, we don't have a drunk trade of the week this week because we just want to get into the meat of this thing. Let's be honest. We don't want to waste any time with the drunk trade of the mm-hmm. week. But this is a call for submissions. We could always use a stockpiling of drunk trades. So if you're out there, send one to <laughs> at Drinking Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, DM us. Get 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 it in our hands. And John, maybe you and I make a drunk trade later tonight in our league, and I then we'll have one for content. That. Yeah, do I it for the content, that. John. Okay, for the content only. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. We uh, are going to start with the Lions only because we don't have a Lions representative here, so we can just quickly talk shit about the team uh, being in yes. the bottom of the division and then move on. So. Um, Notable losses for the year or for this offseason was Cardero Hodge. Notable additions, DJ Chark. And in the draft, took Jamison Williams in the first and James Mitchell in the fifth. Uh, I so guess, much emphasis on the quote-unquote notable for this particular team. Uh, actually, for most teams, I think we're going to get the, yes. the air quotes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, don't even make me talk about the Bears additions. There weren't any. We will. So we oh, will. Cool. We'll, we'll get there. Just, just, just hold on, hold on, hold on. So I will oh, start I off by saying that the uh, Lions' offense—at least they've got a lot of fantasy weapons. The question is, you know, with with Swift and Hawkinson and these wide receivers they have, can Jared Goff actually make them fantasy relevant? That is a good question. Evan, why don't you let us know if you think that anybody in this offense can be fantasy, or dare I say multiple people in this offense, be fantasy relevant under Jared Goff? Uh, Yeah, no, I I do. I actually think they – I'm actually surprisingly very high on the Lions offense for this year um, just because, you know, it is fun to poke fun at them, obviously. I mean, they've sucked for a long time. It's great. It's a good time. But – you know, I really like Dan Campbell. I really, really like Dan Campbell. He has to be one of the top, like, five most likable coaches. You know, he's just hilarious, all these sound clips that he comes out with. But, you know, I and I do think that when you look at the failed, like, Anthony Lynn experiment as the OC, you know, once he got removed from, like, play calling duties and all that sort of stuff, they really seemed to turn it around that second half of the season. Like, they were a lot more exciting, a lot more fast-paced. Jared Goff was putting up some good numbers. That was when Amon Ra St. Brown was absolutely scorching the earth and being, like, what, the no- number two overall fantasy wide receiver, something like that for the last, like, six weeks of the year, winning people fantasy championships. I love DeAndre Swift, absolutely huge DeAndre Swift fan. So if he's healthy, I mean, he was on pace for over 100, you know, targets or 100 receptions, whatever, last year. I think, honestly, if he's healthy, um, I could see him being like a dark horse number one overall RB, like genuinely, Ooh. if he was healthy um, with the, I mean, they've, Again, another thing that we don't talk about as much, it's not as sexy, but it is really important. They have a top three or four offensive line in the NFL. 
Um, in fact, I'm just checking here. PFF came out with their rankings, their third in their projected rankings for um, offensive line. So that's really massive. DeAndre Swift is a stud. Now they can't, you know, even load load the box and just wait on him because they've got T.J. Hawkinson, they've got Amon Ross St. Brown, they've got Jameson Williams when he comes back. He's talking about himself. Yeah, Jared Goff's not the greatest quarterback, but we've seen him be fantasy relevant. You know, under McVay, even you know he was a top twelve quarterback a couple of years. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as long as much as it's fun for them to be the punching bag and you know the the butt of jokes and everything. And don't get me wrong, I love it. Um, but I do think, no, I think they'll be fantasy relevant. I think, like I said, honestly, genuinely think that if Swift is, is healthy the whole year, he could be, I'm not saying he will be, but he could be, he'd be a dark horse pick for me to be the number one overall RB just with the amount of receptions he gets with the explosiveness. He's a very fantastic, actually skilled running back. Um, and if he gets more goal line opportunities, cause their offense is moving the ball more, things like that. I do think. With Amon Ross and Brown, even, I think that, you know, we loved what we saw those last couple of weeks. And then I think we spent all offseason just convincing ourselves that he sucks and it was just all a figment of our imaginations and stuff like I we do in the offseason. No such thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been You're the only one. drowning your sorrows in whiskey. Um, so you didn't. But everyone else seems to have convinced themselves that, you know, he's terrible and all this kind of stuff. I don't think he is. I think he'll be good. I don't think he's going to be like a top three wide receiver in the NFL. But I think he's going to be very usable. I think Dan Campbell absolutely loves the guy. I think like if Dan Campbell could create, you know, his own personal wide receiver of all like a Frankenstein of wide receivers, it would be Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he loves the dude. So he just like he's got that, you know, kneecap biting, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like Dave says, you know, let's effing go. Um, he is going to be good. I do think he will be good, especially with Jameson Williams coming back, you know, potentially midway through the season this year, things like that. I think Amon Ross St. Brown for your redraft is going to be a real value because people have just been fading him a lot and things like that. So I think he's good. I think Swift will be awesome as long as he's healthy. And Hawkinson, I think Hawkinson will be good as well, especially, you know, people have kind of gone off him a little bit. But actually, again, he got injured, you know, that first half of the year with um, Anthony Lynn being the offensive coordinator. It just wasn't a good, good thing. There wasn't good vibes. But yeah, I do. I think there'll be a lot of, you know, fantasy goodness to go around. I think you could even see Jared Goff potentially being fantasy relevant. I don't think he's going to be a top 12 quarterback, but I don't think he's going to be as bad. Again, if you look at the second half of the year, especially that last five or six weeks, he's putting up some decent numbers. So in a super flex sort of situation, you know, you might be able to just grab him as like a late, late quarterback to quarterback three. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I hate to admit it, but a, a part of me really wants Jared Goff to dominate this year, just because everybody's being such buttholes about him, I think, and, <laughs> and refusing to believe that he can ever be good again for fantasy. So I yeah. love that. John, do you have the same sort of thoughts about multiple pieces potentially being? Yeah, relevant? I mean, I I really do, and it's a really weird place to feel envious of the Lions because, as a Bears fan, I'm envious of the Lions outside of the quarterback <laughs> position and Darnold Mooney. Like, I effing love Amonra St. Brown. You guys that like watched me pre-draft process last year knew that I was like Amonra can be really good. I like him a lot as a possession guy and sure enough he came on just scorching hot in the second half of the season last year i think that he's awesome i think that it, it, it depends on the volume that he gets because he's not your x receiver that's going to line up on the outside and dominate but in ppr what he can do out of the slot i mean 
he has all the tools to be a dominant possession slot wide receiver. And thank you. I I think that he's going to continue to do that. I think that he can flirt with top 12 value um, in PPR this year, just because of the sheer volume that he's going to get. I don't know if that's a realistic outcome, but I think that that's within the range of outcomes for sure. I, I think that he's a locked and loaded wide receiver too in PPR. Um, DeAndre Swift is a boss. Um, what he can do as a pass catching back is incredible. Also in PPR. I'm totally with Evan. He's a dark horse overall RB one candidate for sure. I think that he has that within him. Um, I think that he's locked in as being a top six running back in PPR just because of the pass catching volume that he possesses. And their offensive line is incredibly strong. Like they are so well set up to go get their quarterback of the future in the 20, 2023 draft and then potentially really make things interesting in Detroit. Like it's, I hate to admit it as a bears fan, but they have gone about this so well, build the trenches get young talent on the roster, beef up on defense. They got Aiden Hutchinson second overall this year. Like they have such good pieces in place to really start rounding the corner as the rest of the division seemingly looks like it's collapsing other than the Vikings. But like Green Bay, you guys have to admit, you guys lose Devontae Adams. That's really scary. You've got Aaron Jones and then an aging Aaron Rodgers. You're trying to squeak in as much as you can while he's still a quarterback. But the Lions... (laughs) could actually end up being good for the first time in a really long time in a couple of years. I don't think they're going to get there this year, but I think they're going to do better than a lot of people think they're going to. I don't have the number in front of me, but I'm very curious as to what their win total prop is on like DraftKings or FanDuel or something like that, because I might take the over on it. I think they've got some really interesting pieces. So yeah, I'm on St. Brown. I'm really curious to see what James Williams is going to do in the second half of the season. I'm not really that in, like he, he's not worth it to me, in redraft because of the injury status to potentially start the year when he's, you know, probably going to land on pup. So I don't think that I'm drafting him in redraft, but he's definitely a name that I'm going to be keeping an eye on and potentially see if I can scoop him on waivers for the non, you know, leagues where we're playing with dynasty analysts on Twitter, like your, your run of the mill everyday redraft league. A lot of people are going to be sleeping on Jamison Williams and then in the second half of the year, it could be like, oh, my God, look what that guy did. And he could have a few blow up games. So, yeah, it's um, it's a weird time when I'm envious of the Lions. But I think that they've got a lot of really good stuff going right now. That's weird. And just first to, of all, no, go ahead, Evan. Sorry. No, I was just going to say just about Swift because I forgot that um, our good buddy Felix wasn't on the show tonight. So I didn't really do any prep. I just was talking off the top of my head, but I looked it up there. Um yeah, Swift in only 12 games had the fourth most targets of any running back last year. So, you know, he had like 73 targets, I believe, uh, and only 12 games played. He was on pace for like well over 100 targets. He was getting like six targets a game. Targets are so valuable, especially in any sort of PPR setting, which I think hopefully most of us are civilized enough to be playing in PPR leagues. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think I get these guys... <laughs> Sky is the absolute, I mean, you're, you'd have to be a Bears fan to be playing in a standard league, you know, just love, pain, and misery, and David Montgomery. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, absolutely, if he stays healthy, I think Swift is my vote for like the number one, you know, RB this year, just with that offense taking a step forward. Wow. God, Dustin, imagine tell being a Vikings me. fan, just being a Saints of the NFC North, always coming up close, <laughs> but not able to finish it off. I love it. Oh, we Dustin? love beating the Saints, actually, to be fair. I- 
<laughs> that's true. That's true. And you can do that again mm -hmm. this year. I, I firmly believe that. We will Justin, do that I feel like London. I'm crazy. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Uh, I, I I am lower than everybody so far, I think, on everybody on the lines, except for Jared Goff, weirdly. I'm I'm bullish on him just out of spite. Are you? Yeah, it's so funny that you're else? like you're bullish on the quarterback and lower on all the skill players, where the the consensus typically is God, if Goff can just keep it together, these skill players are gonna be great for fantasy. That's a very mm -hmm. interesting Juxtaposition. You know, mine is they're all going to merge together into this puddle of kind of mediocrity themselves. But because there's so many of them in that puddle, you know, rising puddles raise all quarterbacks or something like that. So uh, I think that's, that's the same. I'm that's pretty sure really close to the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How many of these pineapple beers have you had again? <laughs> uh, be a few more before we're done here. Uh, Dustin, are you um, yeah. on the same track with them before we move on? Um. I, I want to be. Um, I I love only because here's the deal. I realized in this offseason that one of my dynasty teams, I basically invested in the entire Lions offense, except for Goff. <laughs> I, I have Swift. I have Hawkinson. I've got Jamison Williams. I've got Amon Ross St. Brown. So I Dog. hope you two are correct. And on one dynasty team? Yes. His one, dynasty one team is oh called God. the yeah. Detroit Lions. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. How long have you been so, playing Dynasty yeah. for? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's an optimal it. strategy, but I've made some bad drunkish trades. Just you know, <laughs> let me be. We need to get those on this uh, podcast for the next episode. By the way, you need to dig through the vaults. Do we want to? Well, here's an easy way to make your misery seem a little bit less. If we moved on to the Bears, you want to do it? Duh, Bears! Sure. Shout out, oh. Dave. Proper hoser, like eh. <laughs> All right, so the Bears, they lost this offseason. Allen Robinson, Jakeem Grant, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, and Damian Williams. They brought into the team this just monster list of players. Darrington Evans, Byron Pringle, Tajay Sharp, Dante Dog. Pettis, Equinemius St. Brown, Ryan Griffin, James O'Shaughnessy. Dog. And in the draft, <laughs> brought in Vilas Jones in the third. Dog. And Tristan <laughs> Ebner in the sixth. So I didn't even know he was uh, remember back, that, but he's a remember dog. That one time, remember that one time that we could have taken uh, that we could have oh. taken George Pickens with both of our second round picks, and then we didn't. Yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> it's really fun to watch from the outside looking in for oh, once. Somebody do something God. dumb with wide receivers. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's your brand, not mine. Yeah. True story. <laughs> So, John, um, how are you feeling about your Bears? Uh, well, some of the moves the they made and all that stuff. With, with the offseason departures, uh, what I can tell you for sure is that Justin Fields enters year two as the starting quarterback. So we've got that going for us. Hot take. Um, hot take. I, there's this tweet that I just found from our friend Dave Klug uh, from March 1st. Wide receivers I'd love to see in Chicago in 2022. Ready? Chris Godwin. Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, unlikely, in brackets. Michael Gallup, Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Shark. Please get Justin Fields at wide receiver one. I just responded to him and said, laughs in bear down. Because um, that didn't happen. We have we have Darnell Mooney, who I love. I love Darnell Mooney. Dog. I'm excited to see what Darnell Mooney can do. Um, I honestly think that if this offense had more of a ceiling to it, that Darnell Mooney could be like a Deontay Johnson type. 
but there's just not enough talent on this offense for him to kind of reach that ceiling. Um, and outside of him being a wide receiver two, probably. Um, isn't it funny how we can go through a list of wide receivers and be like, yeah, that guy's like a locked and loaded wide receiver too. It's like, John, you have 48 wide receivers. listed. As <laughs> at some point, Matt has some to step point, in and say your point. Full of it. There can only be 12 of them, John. Um, so maybe he's a wide receiver too. Maybe he's a flex play. Um, David Montgomery is an RB2. And that's it. I don't know what else. Like, there, there's really nothing else to talk about. There's no one else that's going to be fantasy relevant this year. How dare um, you? It's not going to happen. Justin Fields, um, oh, whom I love very, very, very much. Um, I think that he can still sneak into QB1 territory with his rushing upside because what we saw from him last year in a horrible offense that was not creative and not tailored to getting him on the run and bootlegging and stuff like that, which is his biggest strength. And every time that they would drop back and put him into a four-step drop and run three curls, I wanted to scream. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? Get this guy on the move. He's a Ferrari in open space. Like, let him move around and put the defenses in tough positions. And they just didn't do it. So I expect to see more of that this year. Uh, last year, he had 423 rushing yards. Kyler Murray had 420. Uh, Murray started 14 games and Fields started 10. So the rushing upside for Fields is top tier rushing quarterback kind of guy, a Jalen Hurts kind of rushing quarterback. I genuinely think that Fields has that in him. The biggest issue is that why are the defenses going to be scared by the wide receiver core and put four guys back in zone? Why would you do that when all you have is Darnell Mooney and then a 28-year-old super senior Velas Jones Jr. who's your wide receiver too. Like, there's nothing on this roster that is going to scare opposing defenses. You are so short-sighted. Maybe I missed this in all of your negativity, but did you not talk about the part where Cole Komet is going to be a top three tight end? (laughs) Okay. All right. Cole Komet, Cole Komet I like. Cole Komet is awesome. The uh, lack of touchdown productivity is, you know, Bound for regression, as fantasy Twitter likes to say. Matthew Betts, my buddy, tweeted about it a couple days ago. Like, oh, look, you have Dawson Knox with his thousand touchdowns and, you know, Cole Komet with zero. These are both going to regress in opposite ways. It's like they could, but the Bears offense could also just be a total shit show. And Cole Komet doesn't have red zone opportunities to score touchdowns. So I'm bracing for us having a very, very high draft pick next year. But Fields showing enough where they're not going to move on from. Now, the, the one thing that I do like about the turnover in the front office and with the head coach is that very early on, they committed to Fields and they came in and they said, we like what we have here in Justin Fields. He's our quarterback. So they're not saying we need to tear down that position. I think they are taking a longer approach with him, knowing that this roster is such crap and that they have so much work to do to get the talent around him that as long as he just shows some sort of poise and maturity this year, I think he's going to be fine going into 2023. I think that's all you're really asking for him. Yeah, this is very uncomfortable. Thank you. Um, I think that's all you're asking for fields this year is show some understanding of the playbook, show leadership qualities, show poise. Don't make stupid throws. 
and try to survive behind a Swiss cheese offensive line. That's it's almost like you're asking, asking him to be mediocre for the safety of his future in a way. Like, and would I that what I maybe what I don't want to see Fields do? Yeah, it could. But what I don't want to see is I don't want to see him do Carson Wentz on the bad Eagles offensive line where he's like, I have to do everything myself and then make stupid decisions and hold the ball too long and try to play hero ball. I don't want fields to do that this year because it can put him backwards so fast for, for his development as a quarterback. I want him to make good decisions, trust your mobility. I, I want designed mobility for fields. I want them to get him into space and allow him to use his mobility in a smart manner. But with this offensive line and with literally just Darnell Mooney at wide receiver, I am legitimately terrified that Fields is not going to make it to the year. Like, I'm so scared that he is going to get banged up and hurt. And I can't even tell you who our quarterback two on the depth chart is right now. I don't even know. Who is it? Oh, it's Trevor fucking Simeon. That's who's number two on our depth chart. <laughs> We're going to see him at some point this year. Fields is going to end up getting hobbled, and Trevor Simeon is going to be in a quarterback. It's oh, gonna so be sleeper cool. alert. Deep sleeper, sleeper alert. alert. Trevor Simeon, Adam and your dynasty uh, squads God, there. If, but if, don't if add Tajay Sharp, according to John. No, uh, if you need Tajay Sharp's not going to do anything. If you need quarterback 36 when there's only 32 of them, Trevor Simeon's your guy. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's I'm I'm very nervous as a Bears fan this year. It's it's not going to be good. Um, I wish that I could come in with some optimism, but I literally can't even spin what this team did in the offseason into having any glimmer of hope. It's just like okay, make it through the year. Hopefully, next offseason with a high draft pick and with free agency and continuing to shed you know bad contracts that they have on the roster, uh, that they'll be in a position to start turning the corner and addressing some of these needs. Give me Jackson Smith and Jigba high in the first round next year draft, please. Um, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. So pour one out for Chicago uh, for this year. That was depressing. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. I feel like if you choose the Bears, you have to at least be positive and optimistic about them. I mean, this is it feels like you're you're like this bitter ex who's just like pointing out all their flaws and like, yeah, well, I never liked them anyway. And actually, you know, they <laughs> snore and it's not even me that spent all the money. They're the ones always drinking on Friday night. I just was coming home from a hard day's work and what happened? No offensive line, no wide receivers, <laughs> the cupboard is bare. Here I am, used to be a Seahawks fan, now I'm a Bears fan, can't get no respect. Freaking Justin God, Fields, a like, dog. You sound like I want you two to have your own <laughs> podcast uh, so desperately. Not this one. This one is still ours, but I want the two of you to have your Dude, own. Justin Fields is a dog. Like he was he freaking is. 12 games played, fourth most rushing yards of all quarterbacks last year. Yeah. Absolute dog. Fields is amazing. Um, and that's it. And, and here's is amazing. About, Mooney is a dog. Mooney, Mooney is amazing. I love Mooney. Can you stop with the dog thing? It's really weird. Um, no way. Let's talk. Let's talk about the running back position. That was a very undog like thing I to do, say. It was very undog like. I do want to get into this real quick. Um, David Montgomery, I think, is a good running back when things are blocked up for him. With this offensive line, I'm very concerned that that's not going to be there. This is also the last year of his rookie contract, and this team is in a rebuild. I don't think that he's going to get a contract from them. Um, they also have Khalil Herbert, who looked fantastic when he came in in relief last season. 
uh, citing some numbers here from FFB Victoria, our friend, um, when Herbert was in replacing David Montgomery in week six and seven last season, uh, he had 37 carries for 197 yards, one touchdown, two receptions for 15 yards. They'd never targeted a running backs last year. I think that they might in Luke Getzey's offense. I think the, the running backs could be a little bit more involved in the passing game. And with a literally no wide receivers outside of Darnell Mooney, they're going to have to. But uh, Khalil Herbert had 5.3 yards per carry in that span, averaged 18.8 PPR points per game. He was the RB8 overall over that two-week span. I think that this coaching staff in front office is going to want to see what Herbert can do so that they know what the future of the backfield might look like. If they can lean on him in more you know, capacity going forward, if they do feel like he's going to be someone that they can count on and work into their future plans. I think that he's going to get a little bit more run this year because of that. And also because we've seen Luke Getze in green Bay deploying multiple running backs frequently. You know, we had Jamal Williams up there with Aaron Jones and then he, he left town and it was AJ Dillon, who's now the new fantasy football hotness as the sleeper running back who has RB1 upside apparently. And I think that's dumb unless AJ or unless Aaron Jones gets hurt. But Khalil Herbert, I think, is going to be valuable. He's someone that I look at kind of like a Tony Pollard, like level in terms of value. This is your second running back on the depth chart, but he could have his own standalone value depending on how this offense deploys him. And if something happens to David Montgomery, then I think Khalil Herbert has a lot of upside to potentially even provide more fantasy value than what David Montgomery can do. Um, so that is an interesting point within this offense that I think is worth kind of paying attention to. I think Herbert is absolutely worth a late round, you know, uh, flyer in your, your redrafts. Um, that's going to be an inter- interesting thing to monitor to see if Montgomery is going to be a part of Chicago's plans uh, after this year. Fair enough. I like mm-hmm. Velas Jones, by the way, for what it's worth. I just wanted to put that out there so it was on record somewhere. And that way, if he does really well, I can clip this part of it out and no other part of the podcast and tell everybody yes. how smart I am. Uh, exactly. Justin That's Tuber. the way to Twitter. That's the way to Twitter. <laughs> do we, we want to move on from this de- depressing team? It might be the most depressing team in the NFL. Uh, yes. So thanks so for having please. me on. By the way, really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Really glad to be here, Jake. We'll bring Anything you back next you. year to see if things got any better at all. Bring me on, and we'll just, just compare and contrast for it. You need to bring me on in the pre-draft prep so that I can be like, for the love of God, Bears, please draft a wide receiver. And then when they don't, bring me back on so that I can be like tearing my hair out and just going ape shit over. The Bears front office. I thought we were only going to do it pre-draft so that we, it could just be all hope, and that's that's the last we would have of it. We would you just know, you're end just, on a hopeful note. You're you're a little too positive for me. I, I think that someone <laughs> needs to like pee in your cereal or something and just kind of knock you down a couple pegs of positivity. Uh, you're just you're just such a ray of sunshine, and I'm just Listen, like put that know, on your list of things to do. Take, take pee and Jake cereal. Got it. Yep, I'll put it on, add it, add it yes. to the list. I'm going <laughs> to sneak go. over tomorrow morning and you won't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, before my Cheerios get peed in, let's talk about these Vikings. <laughs> yes. So, all right, so the Vikes, they lost Tyler Conklin and Chad Beebe this offseason, brought losses. in Albert Wilson and in the draft, Ty Chandler in the fifth, Jalen Naylor in the sixth. I hardly knew her. And Nick Muse hey. what a name. seventh. So Evan, 
how are you feeling about your Vikes? Uh, feeling good. I'm actually feeling better because of the front office changes that have taken place since last year. So I'm super happy that Zimmer's gone. I feel like he just needed to go. It just, it was time. It was probably time a couple years ago. Um, I might have been John on this podcast lamenting how much I hate my team and everything is terrible if, if Zimmer had not gone. So I'm glad he's gone. I wasn't as, I, I'm happy Spielman's gone. I wasn't as upset about him being there or whatever, but no, I mean, I'm really happy with the, the direction we've gone with the coaching staff, Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, first year head coach and stuff like that. But yeah, it's positive. I mean, it seems like it's going to be a more pass heavy offense, which you love to see. Uh, for fantasy and just even just for the weapons that we have, you know, I feel like we've underperformed for years now based on how good the the quality, you know, when, when it was Diggs and Thielen um, and now that it's Jefferson and Thielen and Osborne, uh, you know, emerging as a wide receiver three, uh, Kirk Cousins. I've never been a big Kirk Cousins guy. I don't really I don't like him as a quarterback, but I respect what he's done and what he's able to do. And I think that in this offense, he should be even better than he has been. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's wheels up, you know, as far as like being excited and everything like that. I mean, I don't think we're going to win the Super Bowl with the Minnesota Vikings, but I think that we should be good this year. You know, we should be exciting, fun, and there should be fantasy goodness. Um, let me give you something that I, that I'm very intrigued by for the sports betting crowd, because this is, you know, what I do on a daily basis now with the New York Post. Uh, the Vikings are plus 260 to win the NFC North, which I think is very intriguing odds with you Packers losing Devontae Adams and with the weapons that they have there and the new change in the offense. Um, I, I definitely sprinkled a little on, on that one because I think that they've got a really good chance of, of winning the division. Yes, throw a little quiche on that. Some quiche? Love it. No, I'm I'm excited, man. Like, um, you know, you look at like, for example, last year, even just like things like DVOA and stuff. The Rams were eighth in DVOA. Minnesota was sixteenth. You know, I mean, and you look at the roster; it shouldn't have been that big a disparity. I mean, Dalvin yeah. Cook's in a fantastic running back. Um, you know, Thielen when he's healthy, amazing wide receiver. Justin Jefferson, my opinion, best receiver in the NFL. Um, you know. Osborne's emerged as a really good wide receiver three. And now we've got a healthy Irv coming back. Uh, the offensive line has gotten better. That was one of the biggest concerns for us last year. Offensive line was crap. Um, I think we were, I think we actually improved a little bit at the end of the year and we still came in at like 23rd on PFF's final sort of like run through of the offensive line. So kind of bottom third. Um, so we've improved a little bit. I think they've put their projections have us about 19th. So again, not great, but sort of, I feel like with offensive lines, all you need to be is like middle of the pack. You know, it's great to have. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I could have a top three offensive line, I would take it all day. But like Detroit's. I, yes, exactly. Detroit, um, Eagles, somebody like that would be great. Love that. But as long as you have like a solid enough that you're not a liability, I think that's a win. You know, when you have enough good pieces, so you've got a decent quarterback, you've got some good wide receivers, you've got a good run game, I think you can get by with just an okay offensive line. I think our offensive line should be okay, should be middle of the pack this year. Um, you know, what I'm really excited about is honestly having a head coach that's not stuck in like the 80s, you know, that isn't just like, run the dang ball, you know what I mean? Like, it's third and eight, what are we going to do? Run the ball, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, They'll never see it coming. But then we just run the ball on first down and second down. Run it again. You know, I feel like God, it was it's like the Giants like, play call. The bad, they were like, yeah, he was like the bad the version Giants, of they like, were like at like 
their own nine yard line, like backed up at their nine or something like that on third and long, and they ran it last year. Yeah, it was, it was like, like the bad version. It was like the depressing version of like Herman Boone, where he's like, "I only play, I only have two plays, split game, like no game, run it." It always works. Whatever he says. Um, yeah, it was it was terrible. It was it was depressing. It was awful. And he hated Kirk Cousins. Like they were literally, wasn't it like they were like in like fisticuffs on the sidelines a couple times last year, pretty much? It was awful. Um uh, but yeah, the Kirk Rams cousins. So it was more like that, you know, uh the snap movie where the two gangs are going at it, but they just dance at each other. It wasn't West really full blown. West Side Story. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Point. Yeah. Wasn't it like it was like something good happened? Like, didn't they win or something? And then Kirk Cousins like freaked out and grabbed Zimmer and was like shaking him like he was excited. And Zimmer's like, get off me. And then they were like, it was this awkward, like kind of okay, cool, 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 cool. But well, Zimmer was probably yeah. just worried that he was gonna get another detached retina, you know, with all that shaking. So <laughs> that's fair. I mean that is fair. That's accurate. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm curious here. It, it just as I'm always trying to find some overlap betwixt teams and i'm oh. very curious for the both of you we're talking about you you mentioned adam thielen and how he is amazing when healthy absolutely last year before he was injured he was on pace to be or he was throughout that time a fringe wide receiver one if not an outright wide receiver one at that time so now we're talking about darnell mooney being the guy on the bears they're very very close in adp in full ppr format so i'm curious for both of you would you rather have Thielen or Mooney this year? Evan, let's start with you. Um, I'd probably go Mooney uh, just because he is the one. You know, he's probably going to get 150 targets and he is great. Like, he's improved every year. I love Mooney. He's like one of my favorite players. Um, and yeah, I mean, you look at a lot of the underlying advanced statistics and he was actually like top 12 or top 18 in a lot of, you know, things I, off the top of my head. I can't remember. I did a big piece on him earlier in the offseason, but, you know, things like, target share and yards per outrun all that kind of stuff he's very good dog. he's um underrated route runner he is a dog absolutely <laughs> um you know and so i think i would, I would probably go mooney because with feeling you've always got that worry about the health you know like oh is he gonna get beat up is he gonna and kg osborne's no joke like i really like kg osborne this year um especially the Rams, again, something that the Rams do a lot of is run three wide receiver sets. They ran 87% of three wide receiver sets versus only 60% for the Vikings last year. I think there's going to be a lot more three wide receiver sets. There's already been like one of the big things that always buoyed Thielen's value was his touchdowns. You know, he had so many touchdowns over the last couple of years. It was insane. And whilst I'm not going to take that away from him, I'm not going to be like, oh, touchdowns are bad. Because actually, contrary to popular belief, touchdowns are a good thing. Um, yes. But... I know, groundbreaking. Um, but like the thing is, I think that, you know, you, you already saw a Osborne came out of nowhere. He had no targets as a rookie last year. He had like 80 targets and he got like seven touchdowns. So he's really getting this chemistry with Kirk Cousins as well. So I just feel like there's certainly, I mean, to your point, before he got injured in week 12 last year, Adam Thielen was wide receiver seven, I believe, in PPR. So he was a top seven or nine, somewhere like that. But he was a top 12 wide receiver before he got injured. He's good. Yeah. It was hashtag good. Yes. And so Perfect. I think to your point, he stays healthy. They have a high powered offense. He's very good, but there's a lot of ways in which, you know, he could go wrong. He could get injured. He's a bit older or it could just become, you know, Jefferson and Osborne a lot, you know, and, and then maybe he's the third. Maybe this is the year he gets bypassed a little bit. We don't know. So I'd probably lean Mooney personally. What about you, John? Um, I'd lean Mooney as well, just for the same reason that you said he's the guy um, in his offense. And, he he should have such an insane target share. 
Um, I think it's interesting what you brought up about the touchdowns for Thielen, how the touchdowns are actually a good thing. Um, that I think is going to be the, that's kind of the balancing between the two, right? Like you have Mooney who's going to demand such a high target share, but we don't know how many touchdowns he's kind of got in him in that offense. Whereas Adam Thielen is almost assuredly going to have less yards. Oh, that, the screen blanked on me. Can you guys hear me? You're good. Yep. Okay. We're, sorry, we're back. Okay. And we're back. Thielen is almost assuredly going to have less targets, receptions, and yards than Mooney, but he's capable of putting up like 12 or 14 touchdowns, and Mooney might have four on the whole year. So it's it's kind of a bit of a, a balance, you know, there. I, I think that I would probably still go Mooney, um, especially in PPR leagues, but um, it's close. I think it's, it's deserving for their ADP to be close. Um, because I think that there's good arguments for the different methods in which they are most likely going to go about getting their their fantasy points. I think it's interesting. I'm looking at it right now. The Vikings actually were tied for the 11th most pass attempts per game last year. So everyone's talking about how they're expecting their offense to take this big step forward in terms of like the passing volume and stuff like that. I'm not really sure kind of how much more ceiling there is like they threw it 35.5 attempts per game last year uh let's compare them to the rams 35.7 they're just in front of them on the list so ironically although it felt like they were like a real ground and pound kind of team i'm not really what they were when you look at the numbers so I'm not kind of sure how much more there is in the tank for this to be like, oh, there's going to be so much more passing volume and there's all these targets to go around to everybody. I think their offense is probably going to look fairly similar. Now, the the like theory behind it in terms of when they pass might be different. You know what I mean? Like it might be shifted in terms of game, game script and like, okay, what do they do on first down? Or what do they do on, you know, third and three? Like, okay, sh- sure, you might see more passing in those situations. But there might only be a few more pass attempts per game uh, for the Vikings compared to what we saw last year. So we'll that could be interesting. Talk, talking about that then, so if we're going to assume that maybe the passing volume does, it's tempered a bit from what the expectation is. Maybe the increase isn't quite as perfect, but they do adopt more three wide receiver set, sets. Does this mean that Irv, is Irv nothing? Is, is the Irv hype gone? Dustin, let me put it to you because right now Irv Smith and Cole Komet are back-to-back. In ADP, who would oh, God, you rather have, Dustin? No, you stop negative, uh, Nancy down there with the Bears. You don't, you don't get no. Cole. <laughs> if you're gonna be negative about bitter, everybody, you don't it. get Cole Kmet. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, would you also have Cole above? Her? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. times out of a hundred. I, I mean, I am just off Irv Smith. Just we've we've heard the hype for years now, and. It's been one issue after another, whether it's other competition that he hasn't been able to beat out or it's been injury or, or what have you. Uh, until he proves it and I see a little something, I'm just going to be out on him. And real quick, before we move on to our uh, beloved Packers here, Dustin, I feel like we deserve it. We deserve just a, a little bit here to talk about it. I don't care what you guys think. I don't like it. <laughs> let's let's do an around I, the horn. I might literally just stand up and go pour more whiskey when you guys. Are- <laughs> <laughs> I 
Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook, and and draft him where you want to draft him. I don't care if you think he's a top five versus a top eight running back. That doesn't interest me at all. What interests me is would you draft Alexander Madison as a handcuff? John, start with you. Yes or no, Alexander Madison as a handcuff in your redraft? Um, Yeah, I, I absolutely would. When he's been in a featured back position, because Dalvin Cook tends to miss about three games per year, it seems like, um, when he's been filling in in those games he's been an rb1 um like no question about it i don't have the numbers in front of me on this but i remember writing an article uh last year for pro football network about it um on like a week preview and it was one of the weeks where dalvin was hurt and i was like oh yeah alexander madison is like a top five running back this week against detroit and he balled out because it's just what he does when he gets a featured role um, so the whole this is a, you're throwing your shoulder out, patting yourself on the back with this answer. By the way, John, I just uh, want yes, I want to caution you, you as you. your specialist uh, not to yes. get that rotation too far back. That's all. Yep. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's make sure we're out the rotator cuff. No, there. that is that is truly wonderful, and and I agree with that part of it. Evan, yep. do you agree with the concept of just drafting? I guess him as a handcuff. If you're going to take any handcuff in your redraft, would it be Madison? Um, if I, if I drafted Dalvin Cook, um, I, I, I would take Madison. I wouldn't reach on Madison. Like if he's like, I, I imagine, I imagine that most people in your league are probably like not as excited to draft him if they don't have Dalvin. So he might just fall to you nicely in the ADP or in a, in a later round even. Um, so I'd be happy enough to take him. I, I certainly wouldn't reach on him because I feel like that negatively impacts your upside of your overall roster. But I do, I do think that him Pollard there's a couple of handcuffs where you're like well if the main guy goes down I know this dude's gonna get like 90% of the work you know it's not gonna be a running back by committee so yeah I mean I don't hate it I don't hate it I I actually I like targeting other teams back or other players backup running backs instead of my own handcuff because if 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 Zeke gets hurt and I, I have Dalvin Cook and I also have Tony Pollard on my team, then like that's the upside that I want for my roster. I don't necessarily just want the handcuff to my own guy, but I like I like looking at those high upside backup running backs to target yeah. all over the place. Like whether or not I have David Montgomery, like I want Khalil Herbert in the late rounds this year. I want Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard. Like I want those guys because if I have my RB one and RB two, and then I also get a couple weeks with one of those backups in the fold, then that's, you know, that's a really high upside fantasy roster on weekly construction basis. It's definitely question for Yeah. I was just going to say, it's definitely tricky when it's redraft versus dynasty because redraft has such smaller benches. So it certainly limits your upside. If you're taking your own handcuff, especially if you're trying to do it, like if you went Dalvin cook and Aaron Jones, and then you're trying to grab AG Dillon and, you know, Madison, and you're like, (laughs) your whole roster is like two backfields, basically. (laughs) Unless, especially if you go Miami Dolphins, then you've got like six running backs for the one spot, and it's just a nightmare. (laughs) You can't even fill your lineup. Yeah. You're like, hey, I hope we can we add some more flexes because I got about six running backs here. And it's like, do they still have Jacoby Brissett? Is he the goal line running back? What's the current situation in Miami? Uh, it's, it's, it's everybody for themselves, I think, at this point. Yes. Dustin, before you take us into the Packers, would you rather have straight up Herbert or Madison as your handcuff in redraft? Khalil Herbert versus Alexander Madison. Uh, Madison, only because we've seen him do it, I mean, time and time again. 
um, and you know, as as was said already, we know he's going to get the workload if or if slash when Dalvin Cook gets dinged up and misses a couple games. Fair. All right, let's bring it on home. Let's do this. And thank you very much for joining us for this. (laughs) Don't you dare. (laughs) That's fine. We don't need him anyway. I didn't want him around for this part of the show. He's just going to bring us down with his negativity. That's right. So the Packers are lovely Packers. Uh, They lost Devontae Adams, MVS, and Equinemius St. Brown. We brought in the mm-hmm. replacement of all replacements in Sammy Watkins. And so in the draft, good. we took Christian Watson in the second, Romeo Dobbs in the fourth, and Samori Torre in the sixth. So, Jake, start us off here. What are your feelings about the Packers' offseason moves and the state of the state? We replaced we replaced everything that we needed to replace, obviously. I mean, we lost three wide receivers. We added three wide receivers and Sammy Watkins for a game. So I feel like we're basically out. set to go there. Hey, week uh, one, Sammy Watkins is going to smash. Yep. It's going to be in every one of my DFS lineups. I think he's going to throw everybody <laughs> yes. for a loop. I think it's going to be a terrible week one. And it's going to be an amazing week, week two, two just to fuck with the haters. <laughs> so, uh, you know, can't, can't put him into a corner. But I really do think that, you know, as much as we talk, obviously it's a negative. Losing who we lost, it's a negative. It would be stupid to say anything other than that. And it decreases Aaron Rodgers' value a 1,000%. I don't want any of the wide receivers on this team for fantasy. I don't want a single one. I want to hammer this backfield. I want both of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon at their cost. And I want Robert Tunyon at his cost, who is being slept on a little bit for his tight end space. Now, with all that said, I do think it's good for Aaron Rodgers to have to spread the ball around for real life NFL purposes. The dude spent the entirety of his playoffs the last three years over-targeting one man in Devontae Adams, and it ruined us from that perspective. So part of me is actually, dare I say, excited for what could happen with these wide receivers and just to see him have to stretch. I want to see him stretch, and it could go down in flames. uh, And this, yeah, I know. No, I... uh, This is getting a little personal for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, I need you to cliff. I want to see Aaron Rodgers stretch. I need, <laughs> I need that stuff. I'm going to get 15. added to okay, I, I got that. some uh, kind of oh, database God. probably after this, but that's fine. But I really do think that it'll be great to just see, like, can he do it Him or stretch. can he not do it? You know, with, with a bunch of nobodies, supposedly, a quote-unquote cast of nobodies. Is he that good of a quarterback? So purely from an NFL perspective, that's exciting for me in a little a little way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Fantasy, I'm kind of out on everybody besides who I mentioned. Jake, do you know what worries me about Rodgers? Uh, which I still think he's going to be fine this year. But the is it one the witchcraft? That, yes, it's the witchcraft. Okay. No, it is the fact that we've seen in the past when his wide receivers don't get open, that he hangs onto the ball too long and he'll... He's so worried about throwing interceptions that he'll throw it out of bounds and he'll, he'll just throw the ball away. So I'm worried that we're just going to see a ton of balls just get thrown right off the sidelines because his guys are not getting open uh, like Devante can. 
This and, is the year I, to go to a Packers game then, by the way, and sit in the first 10 seat, rows absolutely. to see if you can get a souvenir, for sure. Yeah, I agree I'm with that. looking it up, and the lowest completion percentage for Aaron Rodgers in a season that he started was actually 2019. Yeah, 62% completion percentage. That's the uh, first year with the new head coach. He didn't know. What I know, but I'm, he, I'm wondering. He wanted to try and buff up a little bit. Yeah, I think he'll be below or above that this year. I think he'll be below that, actually. I think this might be the uh, lowest completion percentage season mm-hmm. uh, for Aaron Rodgers, just based yeah, on the I'm, steady points of his disposal. Yeah, I'm, I'm seriously worried about that. Um, I do think Tunyon's going to be a great red zone option this year. He'll probably flirt with double-digit touchdowns again. So I think he's a good late round tight end if you're kind of punting that position uh the backfield wheels up both guys like take them both at cost without hesitation like that's that again like you said jake the only position i'm truly interested in for fantasy this year yeah now let's let's do this though let's say that we have to pick one and because i i typically refuse to do this. I'm just not going to have two running backs from the same backfield. Even if it was last year's Denver Broncos and with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, even knowing that I was going to get the same production, hypothetically in my head, like assuming that split, I wasn't going to pick one or the other. It's the most limiting to your upside. And it is crazy how literally 50-50 split those two were last year. That was the craziest backfield like I've ever seen in just the dead even 50, 50 in every metric, everything, yeah. Carries inside the insane. ten yard line, fifty fifty split. Carries inside the five yard line, fifty fifty split. Targets over like fifty. Everything was a fifty fifty split. But I, yeah. so I just won't do that. But if we have to assume at cost, and I want everybody's thought on this one because I really do think this is one of those moves. If you make the right one, it could absolutely help you with your your redraft playoff potential, if nothing else. So Aaron Jones is going as RB13 right now, which I think is low uh, in full PPR formats. A.J. Dillon is RB25. Which of those do you want at cost if you have to pick one, Dustin? Who would you go for there? Aaron Jones. I I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I love A.J. Dillon. I know he's got soft hands. I've seen it happen. I know he's he can catch the ball. But Aaron Jones is, is going to be the back that Rodgers really targets. Yeah, he he does lotion up those hands quite um, a bit in the offseason. I've seen it. Yeah, go ahead, John. Yes, you do. You've seen him lotion up his hands. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I've question. seen that. <laughs> now I need to see Aaron stretch. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, okay. Aaron Jones or DeAndre Swift, which one has a higher floor? Aaron Jones. Sorry. I, I, I was biting my tongue here the whole DeAndre Swift thing. I just don't think DeAndre Swift's actually a good rusher. I really don't think he's that good. And it, a lot of it could just be the situation from last year. That was my perspective. I was like, man, he should be more efficient than he is. He's a, a, amazing as a pass catcher. My worry yeah. is that there's so much competition there for, for targets now with John Drew Swift that you might have to sacrifice some of what he's really amazing at to get some of what he's not so good at, which is maybe the pure rushing aspect. Whereas with Aaron Jones, they could be putting both of them on the field at the same time. As you mentioned there, John, earlier, splitting yeah. out Aaron Jones wide a little bit. He's he's just should be a target hog there, is my assumption. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, earlier when I was saying to DeAndre Swift that I agree with Evan for uh, him being a dark horse candidate for RB1 
overall, I think Aaron Jones has a better case for it than than DeAndre Swift does because Aaron Jones, in my opinion, has been one of the most undervalued running backs in the NFL over the last four years. It's like he's just a, a beast and his numbers actually just on runs up the middle, which people people don't like to think that Aaron Jones, for whatever reason, is a strong, powerful running back. And it's like, have you actually it's a slight watched man? Him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, have you watched him? No, like he's a beast up the middle as well. Like, don't pigeonhole him into just being a pass catching running back. This dude can run he's a good ball goal line back. So he's a great yeah. goal line back, and I wonder if with Luke Getze not there anymore in Green Bay, I actually wonder if Aaron Jones has more of a dominant role in the offense than AJ Dillon. Um, like that, it's that it's more tilted to like a seventy thirty, you know, touch total percentage this year, mm-hmm. as opposed to how everyone wants to talk about it being this elite one two punch where AJ, you know, AJ Dillon's going to have. His own going from AJ Dillon to Aaron Jones in my head, those names back and forth is very difficult. By the way, I get tripped. It's on AJ to AJ. It's AJ to AJ. And that's its, its own. It's its own issue yes. for sure. But it sounds to me like then you're pretty much all in on Aaron Jones. Then at cost as well above AJ Dillon. Yeah, a low right, a low end RB one. He's being drafted in my opinion at his four. I, I think that mm-hmm. where he's being drafted right. is absolutely the the minimum barring health of what you're going to see out of Aaron Jones this year. And I think that him finishing as a top three back should be more widely discussed as a likely outcome for his season, especially with no Devontae Adams there in the offense anymore. I think that Aaron Jones is arguably one of the best values uh, amongst the top of drafted running backs this year. That's fair. That is fair. Evan, do you feel that A.J. Dillon's getting any disrespect here? Would you rather wait and go with A.J. Dillon there, or would you take Aaron Jones as well? Evan went to bed. He's no longer with us. I <laughs> probably prefer... Yeah, I probably prefer A.J. Dillon. I think um, both were top five PFF-graded running backs last year. They're both incredible. So... I think I agree. Um, I personally think, especially in Dynasty, you know, Aaron Jones is a great buy if you're a contender because I agree that he should in all likelihood finish as a top eight, top 10, you know, back easily in any sort of PPR format. I think that I would love, I mean, I do think he's being drafted a little bit low, but at the same time, like 20 RB, RB 25, it seems very low for somebody who, I think wasn't the RB twenty three or twenty two last year. Um, so you're kind of drafting him at his floor as well, and so you could be really stacking up some amazing wide receivers, and then grab you know Dylan as your second or third running back, and have access to that potentially still very high powered offense. I still think you know Aaron Rodgers. Much as I love to hate on the Packers, like Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in our lifetimes, and he has a way of just elevating those around him and he just finds a way the the defense basically the defense could be the best defense in the nfl this year quite easily could be um they have like the 30 second pace of play they're very slow and methodical with the way they do things anyways i think they want to just strangle teams with their defense and just slowly methodically march the ball down the field 
I think they could be a little bit more run heavy, especially later into the season. Those quads just take over. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I like both. I think for the sake of radio, I'll go with AJ Dillon just to give a bit of argument there and a bit of counterpoint. Um, just so it's not completely unanimous, but yeah, I'll build a bunch of wide receivers. I'll go zero RB. I'll take AJ Dillon and hope for the, uh, the upside of a late season, just absolute quad attack. <laughs> Thank you for bringing the quads into play there. Mm, I yes, seriously think there is no wrong answer here. And I know that's a very Homer thing to say, but guess what? On this episode, I'm going to say it because that's exactly <laughs> what it was built for. I have a lot of both in all of my best draw, best ball drafts to this point. I have a ton of AJ, AJ Dillon. I have a ton of Aaron Jones. I'm comfortable with both. Uh, I really think that either one could be just an insane lottery ticket at their cost right now. And I, I don't even feel like it's a Homer thing to say, but I'll no, it's just not. dub it that so people feel comfortable. Yeah. As as fans of other NFC North teams, you have both of us agreeing with you. It's not a Homer <laughs> comment to say yes. that they're both values at their current ADP. Um, by the way, so I'm what you're saying is you're Packer I tried fans to dub. Now. No, no, no. A bridge too far, Dustin. A bridge too far. Too far. You pushed your luck. Um, I'm just disappointed that when I tried to nickname AJ Dillon as Thick Freakness, uh, that it didn't catch on. I'm just really, I'm really disappointed about that. Not everybody has the hipster credentials Mm. that you do and understands the reference, Sean. I'm sorry. I was was really, I was just really disappointed because that was the year that with red shirts, uh, RIP. That we had our like big, um, like NFL Network like celebrity potathon where we had every, we had a whole bunch of people on for like six straight hours on a Saturday after the NFL draft, and we had like Marcus Grant, Adam Rank, and Cynthia Freeland, and um, uh, just so many other people that stopped by. And I I asked every single person on there if he should go by the sauce or thick freakness. And it was like 50-50 split at the end of it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm trying to make this a thing and no one's helping me. And I hate you guys now. So thank you. <laughs> uh, it's very, very disappointing. Fair enough. I, I tried enough. so hard to make it a thing and it just wasn't. It was like Gretchen with Fetch. Just Maybe like, after this I year know. you 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 get the you get your wish. Maybe it could happen. He's got he's but got I, his own nickname in his Twitter name. AJ the Sauce Dylan. Like well, look, I mean, I know it's uncouth to give yourself a nickname, but I'm not going to tell him that because he's AJ, AJ Dillon and I'm I'm me. I'm, I'm this yes. fucking skinny guy. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want the wrath of that mascot who got tackled by him. Uh, oh, this God, past that week. I, I don't want that. So, uh, Dustin, I think we I think we hit it all, man. I think I think we covered yeah. the shit out of this. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I feel good about this. This is too, some good too. conversation. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, I'll have our guests plug whatever they want, uh, where they can find you, a- a- anything you want to say here. It's your time. So, Evan, let's start with you. <sighs> I I just enjoyed this thoroughly. Um, thank you to John for not, you know, losing his shiz um, and killing me for calling his team great things on when he was so angry at them uh thank you to jake and dustin for having me on it's been a pleasure um but yeah i mean just you can catch me on twitter if you want at ff evolution a lot of gifts thrown around a lot of silly videos uh most of my serious well semi-serious stuff is on my podcast dynasty debates and rankings and writing and stuff over at dynasty nerds but yeah i mean absolutely um thank you very much fellas it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure 
No, thank no. you, thank you, Evan. Jinx. Oh, damn it! I think I said it first, but you John, owe me a Packer <laughs> all right, John, give him, give him yours, Dustin. <laughs> oh, right now, take it off. This is my boy right here. No, it's not happening. No, all right, that's not. No. Yeah. Um. Again, it, it's always wonderful to catch up with uh, you, Hooligans. Been a blast to uh, to be here and talk about this division and the inevitable heartbreak that I'm going to suffer over the next six months. Um, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to all of it. Um, congratulations to the other three people here for having teams that might actually make some noise this year. Um, I will not. Uh, I am John Helmkamp. I am on Twitter at John Helmkamp. Um, I cover like wide variety of sports not just football with the new york post so if you're just looking for football content don't go read that if you want a wide variety of everything from you know mostly from a sports betting perspective then feel free to find my work over at the new york post um that's kind of kind of all i all i got right now um it's I, I will actually plug one more thing um me and my wife who just got married like seven weeks ago um we both met because we were authors um, and we thoroughly enjoy writing and that's like how we started talking is because we were both going through the process of writing our first novels. Um, now that kind of the chaos of the wedding is behind us, we're both getting back into that process and we're both writing sequels to our novels and we started uh, a brand um, to house both of our writings and kind of just build that up as this like husband and wife, you know, writing team. Uh, so that on Twitter is at Hearts Path Pub. Uh, for publications. Um, so if you guys want to kind of check out that in terms of if you, if you enjoy reading, um, she writes romance novels. I write like contemporary adventure novels. Uh, if you guys want to follow along with that, I'd love to have you there as well and talk something other than just football. Holy shit. One of my dogs upstairs just lost their mind. That was <laughs> God. Hey, John, time. maybe, maybe yeah. after this season, uh, she can write a romance novel about you falling back in love with the bears. Maybe. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe. maybe, maybe there there's going to be plenty of turmoil and heartbreak in that novel, though. So there might be a silver lining <laughs> rife with it. it, rife with pain. Uh, but it'll be good. Um, so yeah, guys, looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun, uh, fun season this year. And excited to get our ass kicked by all of your teams. It'll be great. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, I just want to say thank you to both of you for uh, coming on the show. Uh, always lovely having you on. Um, can find my co-host at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter doing all of his fun stuff he does out there. Go check him out if you haven't. And if you haven't, why haven't you? You've been living under a rock, I swear to God. For real. Uh, for reals. Uh, you can find our podcast at Drinking Fantasy. You can find me at FF Dusty Dog. As Jake said at the top of the show, hit us with your drunk trades. Uh, we'd love to hear them. We'd love to analyze them. And hey, we'll give you a shout out on Twitter too uh, if you do provide us with those. So uh, hit us with that and then go rate and review wherever you find this podcast. Give us five stars, all that good stuff. It helps others find us better, which is what we want. So until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Yeah.